when we think about content as an ecosystem, it's to say, how can the content that marketing is creating be used to support our customers further down the funnel? Welcome to Now Brands Talk. This is a show for leaders who care deeply about brand integrity and customer relationships. You're about to learn from CX leaders who have firsthand experience bridging that tricky divide between brands and the people who love them. Let's listen in. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Now Brands Talk. I am your host today, Ruth Zive, and my guest is Justin Gonzalez, Global Head of Customer Empowerment at Square. So I know all of our listeners know and love Square, and such a great example of a brand that's blazing a trail in so many ways. So I'm very excited for this discussion. Justin actually has a really interesting career history because he spent some time in marketing before jumping over to the customer success side of the house. And I think that's a really interesting point of view uh, that will inspire our topic for the day, which is the intersection of CX and marketing. So welcome, Justin. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much to you and the team for having me, Ruth. I appreciate it. Of course. And uh, before we jump into our Q&A, which I know is going to be very spicy, I like to ask the same question of our guests at the start of the podcast. So, so share with me, what is the best interaction that you've ever had with a brand and what about it was so special? So when, when I think about this, I, the brand that always comes to my mind is going to be Nike. And it's usually not something that's limited to just one in-store experience or an online shopping experience or anything like that. But it's actually my entire journey with with marketing as an organization over many years of being an avid runner. And so when I think about Nike, I think of like running half marathons every single month. And I think of breaking personal records. And I think of my family posting up early in the morning to watch me run across the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, on a foggy sun, uh, on a foggy Sunday in June. And so, yes, I, I, I think about what it's like to go and shop at a Nike uh, retail store. I think about what it's like to utilize their training apps and their training programs. But more importantly, you know, when I think about those amazing brand experiences and, and interactions, I think about all of the things that those things have allowed and, and unlocked in myself, all of the goals and the aspirations and, and things of that nature. Wow. I love, so this is the first time that Nike has been offered up as an example of great brand interaction. I love that example because it's really about it. You know, Nike is certainly a brand that's known for incredible marketing, incredible positioning, great tagline. You know, everybody knows and loves Nike branding, but what you're speaking to is how it's inspired you and touched you personally. And I think that's ultimately what matters. So I, I love that example. Okay. Well, let's, let's jump into things. I'm always fascinated by people who sort of landed in an unexpected place in their career and didn't follow a traditional path because I think they bring to their role really interesting perspective. I'm excited to dig into some of that with you today because your background is a little bit unexpected. So to kick things off from your experience, because you started in marketing and now you sit in CX, do you think brands generally have good alignment between those two teams? I, I would say historically and, and generally, probably not as great as it could be. And, and I think it comes down to, if you think about the charter and the responsibility of marketing versus customer success or customer experience, marketing has historically been focused on awareness and activation, right? Like it's how do we get our name out there and then how do we convert people to become customers? Then there's this sort of handoff that, that happens to the customer success and customer experience functions where then it becomes a, a question and a charter that's 
centered around retention and growth. How do you retain your customers? And then ultimately, how do you expand their utilization of your products and services so that they continue to buy and purchase more from you over, over the course of their lifetime? And so on the surface, I think those focus areas can really sound like polar opposites, right? And, and I, again, I think there's this healthy tension between those as, as the primary driving force and, and functions of the two organizations. But through my personal journey, what I found is that the two disciplines are incredibly complementary, especially as a company's customer base starts to mature. So yeah, in those early days of, of being a startup, your marketing organization is and should be focused on that awareness and activation component because without customers, ultimately your brand won't, won't survive for much longer. But ultimately, awareness, acquisition, retention, and growth are every person within the company's responsibility and within their charter. And so for me personally, what I what I identified as I was nearing the end of, of my time at my previous company was I had all of this experience, all of this knowledge and, and this understanding of how do you generate demand? How do you accelerate the lead funnel? How do you partner with sales to close those deals and to get those activations? And then you kind of, or at least we were at the time, lobbing things over the fence and saying, good luck, customer mm. success. You know, we've promised them all of these things and we hope that you can make them a reality. And, and so what I kind of realized at that intersection of my career was there's so much opportunity for success to play an equal role in the growth and in the acquisition components of an organization, especially when you have support organizations that allow anyone to call in, they start taking on those prospective calls and, and questions and conversations. And so just recognizing that there's this incredible opportunity for each organization to amplify the impact of the other through tighter collaboration and, and closer um, interconnectedness. Totally agree. Very relatable from where I sit in marketing. Like certainly as Ada matures and evolves, we're seeing so much opportunity in marketing to help drive customer retention and loyalty and upsell. And so let's just double click on that for a moment. If the alignment, you've talked about what some of the benefits are to better alignment, but if those two parts of the organization continue to be siloed, like practically speaking, what are what are the the risks? What does that start to look like? I mean, ultimately, you know, lacking that alignment, your customer is going to be the one who who pays for that, right? Like they're going to be the ones who suffer the consequences, and that's mm -hmm. going to show up because the dreams and those aspirations, all of those marketing messages, it doesn't matter how beautifully crafted they are. If if the product, if the support teams can't actually make those things a reality. And from a business perspective, you're going to lose out on that ROI from your customers. So yeah, maybe your acquisition costs are low, but your churn rate is high because there's a disconnect between what's happening at the awareness and, and consideration phases of the funnel all the way down to, to what actually becomes the reality. Again, from a business perspective, NPS and trust are two measures of increasing importance in, in this day and age. You know, I think historically many brands were measuring themselves on their net promoter score. And what we're actually starting to see and what we're talking about internally is, well, how do we start to measure trust in our brand, in our products and in our services? And what are the moments and what are the experiences and the interactions where we're breaking that trust? And how do we make sure that we're going and repairing it and demonstrating to our customers that no, 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 those things that we that we said when you first saw that Google ad or that Instagram story 
those are true, we believe these things and we are living that truth in how we support and retain and grow our customers as well. So ultimately, I think the the person who is affected most ends up being the customer and the business will feel that in, in things like reduced NPS, broken trust, and ultimately uh, and eventually churn. Right. So well put. It's really you know, it's almost like marketing socializes and pitches the promise and CX delivers against that promise. And so if the two teams aren't tightly aligned, aren't really working in lockstep, if there isn't a closed loop, that promise is, you know, broken. Exactly. It doesn't matter how much it resonates in market. If you can't deliver against it, it sort of doesn't matter. Exactly. Really interesting. Okay. So let's just shift gears here a little bit. I've heard you talk about this thing that you refer to as the content ecosystem. So I love this concept. Uh, describe for our listeners what that is. Yeah. So um, I definitely cannot take credit for it. I cannot remember where I first heard of this concept. Um, and so I did try to find, you know, the original source of this inspiration. But, you know, when I think about content as an ecosystem, ecosystems are, you know, these self-sustaining, self-supporting environments. If, if you think about the entirety of the content creators within a brand, within an organization, you're going to have people on the brand side doing social marketing, your blog, your white papers, your customer testimonials. All of those are content creators. Similarly, on the support and success side, you have people who are managing your support center, who are engaging in community, who are equally involved in support interactions across social media, in app stores, and in all of these spaces your customers are in. All of these individuals are creating content. And so when we think about content as an ecosystem, it's to say, how can the content that marketing is creating be used to support our customers further down the funnel or, or through the reconsideration phase or the reactivation phase? Conversely, how can the conversations that are taking shape and taking form in our support forums, in our communities, inform that marketing content calendar and inform the messages that marketing is creating up at the top of the funnel? So when you have all of these things working together in support of each other and not in competition of each other, each of you are reinforcing the benefits of the other, again, by generating awareness and giving authority to the blog post, by sharing it across your community community and social media platforms. And then alternatively, making sure that those white papers and those blogs and those ebooks are then shared back with your customers so that they can gain that same level of knowledge and expertise that you're delivering to people upwards in the funnel. So really the, the idea there is about creating something where each part of the business is fueling and, and supporting the other to really generate you know, uh, multitudes of, of those KPIs. I, I so love this. You're talking my language exactly. I'm like giddy because, you know, this is exactly what we're trying to do at Ada increasingly. I, I imagine you've spoken to Perry who hosts this podcast with me and this is her new mandate. So I'm going to give you full <laughs> credit for this concept and I'm going to have her do a download of your brain. So this is a very meaningful but practical approach to sort of how you can better bridge that gap between uh, CX and marketing. Um, let's just bubble it up a layer. And, and we talk a lot on this podcast about the brand experience, about brand interactions. How does this shared content, content ecosystem from your perspective sort of ladder up to that mandate, delivering a consistent brand experience? I mean, I think, you know, overall and, and ultimately at the end of the day, your customer is not landing on your public website. And I'll speak from Square's standpoint. 
our customers are not landing on our public website and thinking, well, gosh, look what Square's marketing team is doing today. Isn't that just such a swell marketing blog? Like, no, absolutely (laughs) not. They're looking at that as like, this is what Square is presenting and putting out into the world. Just like when they go to contact support or when they experience an issue with our products, they're thinking about it as Square holistically as as the brand unit. They're looking at all of those touch points as one part of their overall and holistic journey. And so when you're thinking about it in terms of competition of like, well, we're marketing and so we're going to go and do our own thing on the blog and we don't need CS's input, that's a very limiting belief because ultimately it's, it's that consistency in the messaging, it's the consistency in the experience. It's creating repeatable actions that lead to expected results for, for your customers. And any surprise along the way causes a detour for them. And it takes something that should have otherwise been easy and maybe even thoughtless in in terms of how they engage and how they interact with you. And it creates this friction point where now they have to do more mental math and and more mental stimulation to, to really get through what that interaction was supposed to be. And so it comes down to like, How do you create guidelines around those experiences? What do you want your brand to feel like, whether they're engaging with marketing or with support or with product or engineering, describing those interactions and ultimately creating rules around them so that anyone across the organization knows exactly what the mandate for a brand interaction and experience can be, because they're happening every single day, thousands and hundreds of thousands of times per day, whether it's your marketing website, your support center, your support Twitter handle, or your TikTok channel. All of those experiences, they're looking at as one unit, not as marketing versus support versus product versus sales. It's all one thing. Yep. It's so true. I also have to say, I love that you use the word swell. (laughs) (laughs) Just have to call that out. So you talk about legendary brands and, you know, I think what you're trying to really highlight is that those legendary brands, you know, deliver a really consistent brand experience across all of those touch points, correct? Like that's sort of, even if we go back to that Nike example, you know, you know, when you're in a Nike store, when you watch a commercial, when like everything that you experience from Nike is going to have the same kind of impact. It's the same experience across all of those touch points. So uh, I love that point. I think it's so important. And we know today that when customers interact with brands, they're doing it in person, pre-sale, post-sale. They're doing it digitally, on social, across channels, by email, in-app. So beyond like that brand consistency and and you know the the impact that you have on the customer what are some of the practical benefits of having this sort of cohesive brand experience i mean i think you know going back to even the concept of of content as an ecosystem thinking about how these channels and and how these different parts of the organization can really fuel and benefit the other it's to say Marketing has a a keen awareness and a keen understanding in how to drum up excitement and how to, you know, get people to to attend something. So maybe in an experience where customer success is going to launch their first customer marketing campaign or their first customer event or program, 
partnering closely with the marketing organization is going to take you five steps ahead versus just trying to do that independently. And so that's just like one of the ways in which I think leaning into and, and on each other for the support in the areas in which like your organization is so well positioned and has the experience and has the knowledge in this space. What can I learn from you? What can I borrow from you? How can I, how can I get that head start in this experience so that I'm not starting from, from, you know, the first block and having to build and build and build. And so I think it just comes down to expediting your experiences, expediting to launch and, and ultimately, you know, reducing the time and, and the workload to create these amazing experiences for your customers. Because again, each function has their own skills and their own strengths in, in each of these areas. So how can you lean into one and identify when you need to lean in into the other? And then I would imagine that once you sort of break down these silos and start working more collaboratively in the whole and have in mind the holistic interests of the customer across all of those touch points, that you could get to a place where there's a shared data set that sort of underpins all of those interactions. That's got to be really ultimately where the gold is, correct? I, I know you're working to that end at Square. And even in prior conversations I've had with you, I, I know that that's been a top consideration. Maybe talk about that a little bit and how you get to a better experience for the customer when you have that shared holistic data set to sort of inform future interactions. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's ultimately like, how can we ensure that each of these experiences are working in support of the other? So when we think about, you know, how do we launch chatbots and automated assistance across our entire public website? It's thinking about how do we create an experience in which whether someone is currently a prospect or an existing customer, that that experience becomes consistent, that it's something that is repeatable, that it's something that they can continue to expect that they're going to get every time they come to our websites, whether they're, again, on the public marketing website, whether they're on a landing page from a Google advertisement, or they're engaging with us across social media. It's about creating those consistent guidelines and, and rules, if you will, about how we want those experiences to be and what are the definitions of what good versus bad looks like. I think that's that's great context. I, it's probably, I you know, a heavy lift right out of the gate to get to this place that you're describing. I know you've made great strides. What what would be some, you know, practical pieces of, pieces of advice for an organization that's looking to achieve this, to bring better alignment between CX and marketing, to break down those silos, to think about the customer experience more holistically? Where's a good place to start? How do you get there? Yeah, so uh, I'll share two things. One is, you know, the the best piece of advice I've been given early on in my career is that the people who succeed, the people who grow, and the people who ultimately experience that growth in, in their trajectory are the ones who look for the cracks in the foundation of their organization. Find those opportunities to, to identify a thing, a problem that no one is currently solving, and go fill that crack, go solve that problem, and go be that person. So if you're sitting here listening to this podcast thinking, oh my gosh, marketing and CX are not aligned, like how can I do that? The first step, my friend, is to invite someone to coffee, start that conversation, start building that relationship, seek to understand what are you working on? What are you doing? What's, what's a priority for your part of the organization? I guarantee you, you will find an opportunity to collaborate with each other. Now at Square, 
we're a really doc heavy culture. So every decision we make, every strategic move that we that we decide on, all of these things all live and breathe within documents. And those documents are shared and they're accessible across the organization. So if sales is thinking about, you know, how do we create more sales enablement content, I'm going to get tagged into that document so that I can go and lend a hand and I can go and support what they're trying to do with things that my team may already be doing so that they're not going and recreating the wheel. So I think ultimately it comes down to how do you create these programs and these systems that are transparent, that are accessible, but most importantly, that create a space where every voice can be heard equally. And, and if you learn a lot or if you go and read about doc cultures, the, the primary function, the primary impetus behind this is that we can all sit in a meeting and we can all be in a boardroom together. And inevitably, the gregarious person, the loudest voice is going to be the one who's going to take over the meeting and their ideas are going to be the ones who get heard. In documents, in Asana, in JIRA tickets, every voice is given equal weight. And it comes down to how successfully can you communicate that idea through the written word to ultimately engage and interact with each other. So in short, I think it comes down to creating transparent, accessible, and equal opportunities for, for people to engage across the organization. But I love what you said. It really starts with reaching over the fence and extending a hand. Yes. And yeah, love that. And love sometimes that. you're going to have someone who's like, nah, dog, I'm good. Like, I don't need to talk to you. <laughs> just keep reaching out. Just just be persistent. And like, eventually, they will recognize that you have something to offer them. I guarantee you, yeah. I have lived through it. And sometimes it has taken me longer than it freaking should. But by being consistent, by being persistent, you're able to, to really um, build those relationships and, and reap those benefits in the long term. Yeah. And yeah. And then documenting those conversations. I think that practical element sort of drives collaborative spirit that it makes it much more accessible. I love I love that. So one more question from me. You talked about friction points and how, you know, over the course of the customer experience, you want to try to reduce friction. But I've also heard you share an opinion that sometimes friction can create a better experience. Talk about that. How do you introduce friction with purpose? Uh, what does that look like? I think it comes down to really being first able to pinpoint and identify where someone may be in their journey. If you haven't done a good job of connecting the dots between your customer's journey, whether it's between your different products and services, between your public website, between your support experiences, community, social media, et cetera, et cetera, if you haven't first connected those dots and, and identified how do we track and measure the customer's journey through to support or through to sales or through these different functions, then identifying where and when to introduce that friction is going to be really challenging. Imagine being a customer engaging with a brand who hasn't done this work and you run into an issue with the product and you go to the support center and you try to find an article, you can't find an article. You go to community and you try to find a thread, you can't find a thread. You go to the public website, you tweet at them, and you have all of these journeys that are disparate experiences. Finally, you reach support. And the support agent who is speaking to you walks you through the same damn troubleshooting steps that you just went through 15 times 
told in 15 different ways. Like that is so, so, so frustrating. So when I talk about introducing friction in a meaningful way, in a positive way, I'm talking about how do we encourage self-service where it makes sense and how do we create gaps in the net so that the right people with the right issues or with the right questions or with, you know, questions that need or require human support or a human agent, that we're getting those people through those nets, that we're getting them through to the right person quickly. When you're able to do that, you free up your human capital so that your live agents, the the people who have that expertise and understand that human connection can focus on the really, really hard problems and that your self-service initiatives, your, your chatbots and your automated assistants and all of those pieces are acting more in the realm of like, how do I expedite this experience for you? How do I get you to the right answer? Whether that's content or a human and, and utilizing that friction point in that way. That's, again, so well put. And I know it's something that you've done really, really well at Square. I could do this for at least another half hour. We've covered a lot of really interesting ground, but I know we're running out of time and we like to wrap up these conversations with a little bit of a lightning round oh gosh. Uh, so that our listeners can get to know you personally. Yeah, you're not allowed to pass on any of the questions, but you can, and there are only a few, so no pressure. I'm going to quick fire them at you. Do you have any pets? I do. Now you have to say what? Oh, I have um, a shepherd husky mix named Maxwell, a cat named Radish. We have only one fish in our fish tank right now and about 130 houseplants if you consider those pets. (laughs) Love it. Okay. If you could eat only one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? My Auntie Gloria's enchiladas. Oh, that sounds very delicious. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Okay. It's hyper-specific. Milk bar has an ice cream that is like some kind of cookie milk crunch thing. I don't know why I can't think of like what it's actually called. I think it's like their compost cookie ice cream, something along those lines. Um, milk bar ice cream. Okay. I, I love milk bar. I'm going to have to Google what their ice cream flavor is. Okay. And lastly, we kicked off this discussion. You shared the best interaction you had ever had with a brand without calling anyone out or naming any names because we don't want to get sued. What was the worst interaction you've ever had with a brand? I think historically, the worst interactions I have with brands tend to be with internet service providers. And I will leave you to guess which internet service provider I am referring to. I live in San Francisco. I believe we all pretty much have the same one. <laughs> And it is equally horrendous anytime you need to engage with them. Shockingly, <laughs> this is the first time that anyone has said internet service provider as the worst brand interaction they've ever had, but can totally relate there, even though I don't live in San Francisco. <laughs> we, have our, we have our own swath of uh, internet service providers here in Canada. So, okay, I like to highlight some of the takeaways from the discussion so that listeners can actually turn it into action. We had a lot of really great ones. First of all, you want to, create strong alignment between marketing and CX teams to get better results in both cases, particularly as a startup or a young business matures. When you have teams that lean into each other uh, for the expertise, for their expertise, it really expedites the process of creating that special VIP brand experience for your customers. And that if that alignment isn't there, customers are ultimately the ones who pay the tr- price. And the brand feels that from a business perspective with broken trust and reduced business and ultimately churn, 
So the great takeaway there. One of the ways that you can help to drive this alignment is by establishing a content ecosystem shared between teams that helps drive alignment and create more consistent brand experiences at all touch points and interactions so that those interactions are more predictable, more repeatable, more scalable, regardless of whether or not the mandate falls more into CX or into marketing. In order to build these bridges and take down silos, start by looking for cracks in your processes today. Identify those places where there's pain and reach over the aisle and initiate conversations with the folks that you can collaborate with to drive a solution. I love that. You want to be consistent and persistent persistent, and then document those conversations so that teams continue to collaborate. So those are just a few of the many takeaways from this conversation. I've really enjoyed this, Justin. Thank you so much for being on the show and tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. LinkedIn, uh, Justin Gonzalez, for sure. I am all over Ada's LinkedIn as well. uh, So I should be pretty easy for you to find and locate. Awesome. I am also on LinkedIn for any listener that wants to find me. I share way too many of my wacky opinions and ideas, but you can find me there. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Now Brands Talk. You can subscribe to hear more conversations with CX leaders wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thanks, everyone. With Ada, brands can finally talk to customers with a consistent voice anytime, anywhere. The world's most beloved brands like Zoom, Square, and Facebook all use Ada's brand interaction platform to build real relationships with customers. If you felt the pain of delivering a great customer experience that is authentic, personalized, and scalable, then Ada is for you. Learn more about Ada's brand interaction platform at ada.cx slash podcast. You've been listening to Now Brands Talk, a podcast by Ada. Stay connected by subscribing to the show, leaving us a rating and comment, and sharing episodes you love. Your support and feedback ensures future episodes will address your interests with fresh discussion and insights about how brands talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time.